Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of Revelation, chapter 4. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney we do a wedding here, we have these steps that we kind of attach right here, and I usually wait back here when we're doing a wedding ceremony. I'll wait back here, and, and the, bride, the bride comes down the aisle, and the groom's kind of like right here, and then when the bride gets there, the groom goes down. I usually have him do it like this because I really like it. And then, the, and then the groom goes down, and he takes his bride by the hand, and they ascend toward the pastor together. One, three, everybody say, ah, oh. one, two, three. Oh, isn't that beautiful? Just marvelous. And, and so, but they come together. They come together. The rapture of the church, we're going to go together to meet the Lord in the air. The second coming is a different event because Jesus doesn't come in the clouds. He comes actually through the clouds and he places his feet on the Mount of Olives and they split. So the second coming and the rapture are two totally different events. But concerning the rapture, 1 Thessalonians, Paul says, comfort one another with these words. In other words, Paul makes it clear that keeping your heart and your mind on the rapture, the Lord's going to come and take you off the earth, is comforting. Comfort one another with these words. Notice he doesn't say, freak each other out with these words. <laughs> He doesn't say freak each other out with these words. He says comfort each other. You see, if the rapture of the church is at the end or the middle of the tribulation, that's not going to comfort me. That's going to freak me out. So Paul says comfort one another with these words. Point number three. Very, very interesting. Did you know that the word church is used 19 times between chapters 1 and 3. The word church is used 19 times, but from chapters 4 through 22, the early part of 22, there is no mention of the word church. There is no mention of the church between chapters 4 and the early part of chapter 22. Very, very interesting. No reference. Now, there are references to saints and martyrs, but not the church. Now, understand something that the church, church, that's not a name for us people. Yes, we are the church, but it really isn't a name. It's a definition. It's a definition. The word church means people, a group of people who are called out of the world. And when we arrive in heaven, we will lose the title of church. We will no longer be referred to as the church. We will be called the bride of Christ in heaven. So it's interesting to me that 
chapters 1 through chapter 3, the word church is used 19 times. The word church is not found between chapters 4 and the early part of chapter 22. You actually see the word churches again in the book of Revelation in verse 16 of chapter 22. Very interesting. Why do I believe the rapture of the church will happen before the great tribulation? Point number four, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 9. For God has not appointed us to wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. You see, God hasn't appointed us Christians to wrath because the wrath that we deserve was absorbed by Jesus. Where? On Calvary's cross. So God has not appointed us to wrath. Point number five. I've heard people say, you Christians, you're just into escapism. Pre-tribbers are just a bunch of escapists. And I say, yes, you are right, and I am all for it. If you agree with that, raise your hand. I am, amen. I'm amongst friends. I am all for escapism, man. I don't want to be here. I don't want to suffer. Who does? We're in escapism? Yes, most certainly. And you know what? Jesus told us to be. Matthew chapter 24, verse 36, talking about the events of the tribulation. He said, pray that you will be counted worthy to escape and stand before the Son of Man. Now, if the tribulation was an option, Jesus would have said, watch and buy weapons and store food and get ready to go through it. Survive! No! He said, pray that you might escape these things. Point number six. Jeremiah chapter 30, verse 7. Write that down, if you will. Jeremiah chapter 30, verse 7 tells us the tribulation is known as the time of Jacob's trouble. The tribulation is known as the time of Jacob's trouble. It is not known as the time of the church's trouble. The time of Jacob's trouble. The purpose of the tribulation is to punish those who have rejected the work of Jesus Christ in their lives, but also the purpose of the tribulation is to shake up Israel, to shake them up. Now, Matthew chapter 24, verse 15 through 20. Therefore, when you see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet, Standing in the holy place, then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains and let him who is on the housetop not go down to take anything out of his house and let him who is in the field not go back to get his clothes. But woe to those who are pregnant and to those who are nursing babies in those days and pray that your flight may not be in the winter or on the Sabbath. Pray, Jesus said that your flight be not in the winter or on the Sabbath. Jesus makes it clear, talking to his disciples about the rapture and the tribulation. Jesus is telling them that the tribulation will be difficult, especially the second half or that three and a half year period where the Antichrist will promise to help Israel to rebuild their temple and at that, and they will honor him and they will hail him as the Messiah in that first three and a half years. But then at the three and a half year mark, the Antichrist is going to break 
break his agreement with Israel. Right in the middle, he's going to break that covenant and he's going to come and he's going to stand in the temple and he's going to declare that he is God. And Jesus says, To the Jewish people, when you see that happen, Jesus says, which he calls it the abomination of desolation. That event, when the Antichrist goes into the temple and declares himself to be God, Jesus said, when you see the abomination of desolation or the abomination which causes desolation, he says, when you see that, he says, run, flee, To the mountains, he says, and don't even stop to get your coat. Get out. So the Antichrist is going to begin to persecute the Jews at that time. And the nation of Israel as a nation nationally will be converted. And it's about that time that the scales will be lifted from their eyes and they'll look upon him whom they have pierced and they'll say, hey, where'd you get those wounds? And they'll say, these are the wounds that I received in the house of my friends. They're going to recognize him as the Messiah at that time. So Matthew 24, 15 through 20 is, get this, very Jewish. It's very Jewish. Why? Pray that your flight be not in the winter or on the Sabbath. The Sabbath means nothing to Gentiles. We could care less. We work every day. We run ourselves in the ground. Y'all know y'all do. So it's very Jewish. But now, although Jesus is, 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 is punishing the people of Israel, God has not rejected his people. God has not rejected his people. Romans chapter 9 verses, uh, Romans chapter 9 through chapter 11 actually is very clear that God is not through with the Jew. Now, there are some people who say, oh, well, all the promises that God gave to Israel are now for the Gentiles because the, Israel has rejected those problems. I mean, those blessings. Not. God has not taken anything from his people. God is going to bless his people. God does not turn his back on his people. God is not through with the Jew. But during the tribulation time, it is then that Israel will acknowledge Jesus as Messiah. But Jeremiah 30 verse 7 says it is the time of Jacob's trouble, not the time of the church's trouble. Number six, why do I believe, pardon me, number seven, why do I believe that the church will be raptured before the great tribulation? Because we are supposed to be looking for Jesus Christ. Now, if a person is mid-trib or post-trib, they won't be looking for Jesus Christ. They will be looking for the Antichrist. They won't be looking for Jesus Christ. They'll be looking for the Antichrist. Titus chapter 2 verse 13 tells us looking for the blessed hope and the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. We need to keep our eyes on Jesus. Point number eight. Why do I believe the church will be raptured prior to the tribulation? Because we have many, get this, types or pictures, or scenarios, if you will, stories concerning the rapture in the Old Testament. We have the story of Noah. Oh, you know it. God's wrath was being poured out on a world that was rejecting him. They had forsaken God, and and they were given over to sexual immorality and violence and selfishness like the world we live in today. 
And it was during the flood that the Lord tucked Noah and his family away, and then he poured out his wrath on a Christ-rejecting world. We have the story of Enoch. The Bible says that Enoch, actually Enoch is like a type of the church, because Enoch, the Bible says, walked with God, and he was not. What does that mean? It means that he didn't die. It means that God took him up. He didn't die. We have the story of Lot. As God sends angels to destroy the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah for their wickedness. You know the story. Abraham went to God and Abraham said, God, will you destroy the righteous with the wicked? If I can find 50 righteous in the city, God, will you destroy the city? And God says, no. Abraham takes off and goes out to find 50 righteous in the city. He can't find 50 righteous people in the city. He goes back to God and tries to bargain with him. Says, oh God, oh, I couldn't find 50 righteous in the city. What about 45? I said, okay, go find 45. Couldn't find 45, come back. Oh, 40? Couldn't find 40. 30, 20, 10. There weren't 10 righteous people, not 10, in the city. The city was completely given over to ungodliness. And the Lord delivered, according to 2 Peter, righteous lot from the destruction. He delivered them from the destruction. Notice they aren't preserved through the destruction. They escape from the destruction. Interesting. The three Hebrew boys, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they're in the fiery furnace. And things are heating up. No pun intended. And Jesus is in the furnace with them. Question. Where was Daniel? We don't know. We don't know. Maybe he was on a business trip. I don't know. We don't know. But what we do know, now many people, many scholars believe, and this is speculation. Okay, fine, I'll give this to you. This is speculation. Many scholars believe that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego picture Israel during the fiery trial of the tribulation, if you will, and Jesus is with them. See, he hasn't forsaken his people. And Daniel pictures the church. Because Daniel's out of there. We don't even know where Daniel is. Interesting speculation. Noah, Enoch, Lot, Daniel, picture the church. And God delivered them before the judgment came down. And then last but certainly not least, get this. The Jewish wedding ceremony itself is reason to believe the rapture will take place before the tribulation. As you well know, in the Jewish culture, marriages were arranged. But before the ceremony could take place, one thing had to happen first. The groom had to build a house for his bride. Interesting. And guess who determined when the house was finished? The father. Isn't that interesting? The groom has to build a house and he'd go to dad and say, oh, dad, I'm ready to get married. You have no idea how ready I am to get married. And dad goes, OK, well, let's go check out the house. And so it, well, roof's on. Yeah, roof's good. Leaking. Pour some water. Oh, no leaks. OK, good deal. Windows up. Doors in. OK, great, son. Now you're ready to get married. But the son had to prepare a place for his bride. 
And the father was the one who determined if the place was ready, if the, if the house was ready, and thus his son would be ready to be married. Interesting, what did Jesus say? John chapter 14, verse 6, Jesus said, I go to prepare a place for you. And then again in Matthew chapter 24, the Bible says no one knows when Jesus will come except the father. Very, very interesting. And it's interesting even further because while the bridegroom was working on the house, the bride would get reports from family and friends of the progress that he was making. And it became a custom that the bridegroom would surprise the bride in the middle of the night or early in the morning. The groom and the groom's men would come into town and they could come at any time in the middle of the night or early in the morning. The bride and the bridesmaids, they never knew. He could come at any time and he might come two o'clock in the morning banging pots and making noise and celebrating, which I would kill that guy if he comes through my neighborhood doing that. But oh well, be it as may, he would come through the town making noise and waking people up. The bride never knew about it until the groom decided to come. Thus the story in Matthew chapter 25 of the ten virgins. Five were ready, five were not. And the Jewish people, they clearly understood it as Jesus would talk about these parables. I mean, they would be like, oh, okay, oy vey, oy vey, we, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. We get it, oh, yes, oh, yes, we get it, we get it. But as Gentiles, we don't get it. And we got to study the scriptures and get into history and all this stuff. They clearly understood what was happening. So even, interesting enough, even the Jewish ceremony itself gives reason to believe that Jesus could come at Anytime. We don't know. We are required not to know. We are required to be ready. Amen. Nine reasons why I believe the Bible teaches the pre-tribulation rapture of the church. Now, just briefly, in closing, I want you to look at verse 2. We'll come back to verse 2 next week and we'll pick up there. We actually got one whole verse done this morning, and that's awesome. Amen. Say amen. All right. Yeah. All right. All right. Notice in verse two, immediately John says, I was in the spirit and behold, a throne set. That means planted in heaven. And one sat on that throne. John says immediately, immediately John was changed. Immediately in the spirit. The Bible says that we will be changed immediately. We've already read it. I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment, in a twinkling of an eye. Someone once discovered that the eye blinks at one one thousandth, one thousandth of a second. One one thousandth of a second, the eye blinks. The Bible says in a moment, in the blinking of an eye, in one one thousandth of a second, we will go, get this, from the flesh to the spirit. Isn't that amazing? Man, that gets me really excited. I, I, I'm just sick of my flesh. If you're sick of your flesh, raise your hand. I'm sick of my flesh. I'm sick of your flesh, too. <laughs> sick of y'all. It's been awful being a pastor, man. Tough. Man, I'm sick of my flesh. In one one thousandth of a second, my, I will go from flesh 
to spirit. No more back pain. No more sickness, no more sorrow, no more tears. We go from flesh to the spirit. Isn't that exciting? Man, there is coming a day when we will no longer have to deal with our flesh. Notice John says, I was caught up, and the first thing I saw in heaven was a throne set in heaven. A throne speaks of power, and it speaks of authority. The throne is mentioned in every chapter of the, of the book of Revelation, except 2, 8, and 9. John saw a throne. Now, this is important for the Christians. So stay with me. Very important for the Christians who were reading this, because remember, they were under the thumb of the throne of Rome. Remember sick, crazy Diocletian? who was persecuting the Christians and just brutal, brutal to Christian people. And they were under the oppression of the throne of Rome. And John says, listen, there's going to come a day when you won't be under the oppression of the throne of Rome. You will see the throne of God. So keep hope. You know, it's A.D. 96, and it's tough to live in A.D. 96. But he says, keep hope alive. There's someday you're going to see the throne of God. Now, that's important for me to know, too, because when I'm suffering and when I'm suffering under the hand and the thumb of Satan, it's a good thing for me to remember heaven. Amen? Because you know why? Because heaven is the only thing that makes sense in this world. When you're suffering, heaven is the only thing that makes sense. I mean, really. I remember out in California when we used to drive by and you see someone with a bumper sticker on their car and you drive by them, you know, breaking the law, the speed limit, you know, and, and you drive by them, you beep your horn and you go, out your window. Have you ever done that? You go, what was that telling them? It was telling them that you're a Christian and you know you're going to heaven. And, and you know they're going to heaven because they got a bumper sticker. And they're Christians too. Maybe it wasn't their car, but that's not the point. You're going to heaven. And that's the important thing in this life as Christians. The important thing is to remember that we're going to heaven. Oh, pastor, you don't know what, I, what I'm going through. Yeah, but you're going to heaven. You're not going to hell. Oh, Pastor, I'm really suffering, man. You have no idea. Yeah, but you're not going to hell. It could be worse. Yeah, Pastor, you just don't know my husband. You don't know. Yeah, but you're not going to hell. Now, maybe he is, but you're not <laughs> going to hell. Oh, Pastor, I just won the lottery. Yeah, but it's nothing compared to heaven. You see, no matter which way you look at it, heaven is the answer. Amen? And you got to keep your focus on heaven. Don't lose sight of heaven. And often we lose sight of heaven. And then Satan lulls us to sleep. We forget. We think Jesus isn't coming. I want to read you a story, a fictional story by William Barclay. He tells of a meeting held by Satan with his demons. They were trying to figure out how to trick people into eternal damnation and separation from God. Well, the first demon said, tell them there's no God. No, Satan said, all of creation declares the reality of God. People are too smart to deny his existence. A few idiots might get sucked in, but not the masses. Well, the second demon said, tell them there's no hell. No, said Satan, people understand there needs to be retribution and judgment. People won't buy that. And the third demon said, Instead of saying no God or no hell, tell them there's no hurry. And Satan said, that's it. That's it. Go and tell them there is no hurry and we will ruin them by the thousands. 
Oh, it's sad but true. Sad but true. Many have lost their sense of urgency. And we get so tied down to this world, heaven's not even important. I am too busy living my life here on this earth, and all of my stuff has got me so weighed down and so heavy that I, it takes an act of God to lift me up. Because we are in our stuff. I'm guilty. Man, I'm doing my thing, and I've got, got it going on, man. I got, got my house. I finally got that Beamer, and, you know, we're doing our thing. And we forget that Jesus is coming soon. It could be any moment. I don't know when. Nobody knows when. Stop writing books, 88 Reasons Why Jesus is Coming in 1988. Well, he didn't come in 88, and the guy wrote another book, and 89 reasons why Jesus is coming in 1989. He didn't come in 89 either. We don't need to know. What we do need to be is ready. We need to be ready because Jesus is coming soon. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch and Calvary Chapel Cary located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. Or you may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccarry.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light.